Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. So glad that you guys decided to join us. Seriously, fill out one of those welcome cards. We're passionate about it. He said, I was the uh, youth pastor here for a couple of years. And trust me, these youth need a conference. Our youth need Jesus. If anybody knows that, it's this guy, okay? I'm just kidding. I loved it, man. And seriously, developed so many relationships here. We loved our time at our Republic campus. I love Retmo. I'm a big Repmo fan, and it's an honor to preach to y'all this morning. Before I go any further, though, I think it would be foolish for me to not acknowledge the leadership of Pastor Chad and Tasha. Are you grateful for your lead pastors? Come on, they do an incredible job leading this church, leading this house every week. And it's a uh, real privilege to get to speak in place of him this morning. So, hey, let's jump in. We find ourselves in week six of a series titled, Raised to Life. And what this series is, is a journey through the entire book of Ephesians, verse by verse. Y'all, can I just say, every week as we move through this book, my heart is just exploding. My heart is bursting. This series, for me, if for nobody else, has been transformational. It's impacted the way I pray. It's, it's impacted my understanding of God and all he's done for me through Jesus, right? I've gained so much perspective on what God's purpose is for me. Just as I read through these verses, verse by verse, I, I think I've even grown in my understanding of just how gracious and kind Jesus really is. Now, if y'all were here, uh, Esai brought the word. Come on, did Esai do a great job? Here's the problem. We're celebrating them, but guys like Esai, they test my flesh a little bit. Can I just be honest? I, I see a guy like that. I get a little, I can't help but feel a little envious, a little jealous. He's handsome, right? He can sing. We all know that. The man can preach, and I'm pretty sure the dude speaks two languages. So come on, he brought the word. He, he did awesome. Uh, and if you were here, you know that he preached out of those first couple verses out of Ephesians 2, and he touched on this. One, we're born spiritually dead. Two, we, we got to walk by the Spirit, right? It's what it's all about. And three, we're only made alive by Jesus. We're only made alive by Jesus. Last week was powerful. We're going to do our best this week, okay? That's what I got for you. So, um, man, I, seriously, I hope you guys are expectant. I hope you're ready. I'm believing God's going to use this word, okay? Hey, uh, I'm going to read our key passage for the day, and then I'll pray, and we'll jump into this thing. Is that Okay. All right, Ephesians 2, love this verse. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, it says this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. This is not from yourselves. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Everyone say handiwork. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works for which God prepared for us in advance to do. This is going to be so good. This is going to be so good. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Father, we invite you into this moment. I pray that right now you would prepare the hearts of your people, till the soil of our hearts so as the seed of your word goes forth, it would take root, it grow to produce fruit in our lives. Father, we don't want to just be hearers of your word. We don't want to just come into church and play church games every week. God, we want to be transformed into the image of your son, Jesus. God, we, we want to fulfill all the purposes that you have planned for us. We love you, Lord. And we ask it in your mighty name. Amen. 
All right, y'all, so the summer going into eighth grade, I remember I may have been one of the only kids left in my middle school in my grade that didn't have a cell phone, okay? At this time, they were flip phones. Youth, y'all don't know nothing about flip phones, okay? But they were cool. And I had been begging my mom and dad, come on, let me get a phone. I want to text, right? I want to be involved. I want a cell phone. Can I get a cell phone, please? Like, I'm almost 13 years old or whatever. Like, it's time. I've earned it. Come on. Now, my mom had a friend whose two daughters, uh, they were going to be doing a play called Aladdin. Okay, Disney play called Aladdin. And my mom uh, was always trying to get me to do things I didn't want to do because, you know, mom knows what's best for her son, right? So those who don't know, my mom is, she's from Rhode Island. She has a thick Rhode Island accent. And she's like, Mackie, listen to me. She's like, I'll get you a cell phone if you do this play. And I'm like, now y'all got to remember who, who I am here. I, I got a circle. I got my homies. We're athletes. We're the cool kids. I can't be doing a play. <laughs> Mom, you're putting my reputation on the line. But at the same time, I want that cell phone, though. Like, <laughs> so I'm trying to figure it out. I'm like, okay, okay. I'm like, if I do this play, I get a phone. I'm like, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it, Mom. You, you got it. So I reluctantly accept the request to audition for the play, and I remember talking to the two girls, and they're joking around. Keep in mind, I'm just doing this just to get the phone. And they're like, you're going to be Aladdin. I know you are. You're going to get the role. Now what's funny is the two sisters, one older, one younger, the older one, she doesn't really care what happens. You know, she's doing it, but I don't know if she's super serious. But the younger daughter, oh, man, she is gung-ho about getting the jasmine role. That's what she wants. She's fired up. She's passionate. She's been practicing in the mirror, I'm sure, right? She wants this lead role. And and when they said to me, like, you're going to be Aladdin, you're going to be the I'm like, there's no way I'm going to get the main role. I'm like, I've never done a play. I've never, never done any sort of production. But here's the problem. It was almost like the athlete in me, once we got to the auditions, like the athlete in me kicked in. And all of a sudden, I'm getting competitive trying to fight for the Aladdin spot. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. A flip switch, y'all, and and it went down. So I I literally remember we are in a gymnasium. We are lined up to sing A Whole New World. This is part of the audition. I'm watching the guys before thinking, nah, I got him, you know, like. So I remember it's my turn to step up for A Whole New World. I'm like, I'm I'm going to show these judges. And I came in, and I just hit. I'm like, boom. I can show you the world. I'm doing the hand, shining, shimmering. Come on, splendid. Tell me, princess, now. Right, I just start hitting that, saying, if anyone was ever going to get this role, it's your boy. Let's go. (laughs) Amen. Can I I get an amen right there for no reason? (laughs) Oh, man. So we go through, it's the end of the day, you know, I do my very best, I throw myself at this audition, I know the girls threw themselves at this audition, and it's time for them to announce the roles, who's got what? And to no surprise, <laughs> I get announced as Aladdin, praise the Lord. There's still film out there somewhere, I'm, I'm pretty sure. The older sister, she gets Jasmine, Yeah. So it's time for the younger sister to find out what her role is. 
You know, I really shouldn't laugh. I really shouldn't. <laughs> Y'all, she, she, her role, I'm, I'm not kidding. This is 100% true. I wouldn't lie in the pulpit. She is the camel's butt. <laughs> I am, I am. Y'all, this girl's role is a stick with a cotton ball on top. And her job is to move across the stage as the camel's back hump. This is her role. I couldn't believe it. And you know what's hilarious? She's a professional actor now. So come on, God uses those moments. Amen. I'm not a professional actor, so. (laughs) But I remember, oh gosh, that's so bad. Uh, Man, she was pretty devastated being the camel's butt. As you can imagine, she, she cried a little bit. But, but she was devastated because she didn't, she didn't achieve. Her, so her, her role wasn't meaningful. It wasn't important to the production. It wasn't a purposeful role, right? Now, sure, we, we look at this story about, a, about Jasmine and Aladdin and a camel's butt, and we laugh, but the truth of this sense of wanting to be Jasmine, it always seems to badger us, doesn't it? It never changes from us being kids auditioning for a play. We grow up in that same sense. It it badgers our hearts. Maybe it manifests as wanting tons of likes on social media, winning the promotion at work, right? Making the most money, always being invited to all the things, getting the most attention from the opposite sex, whatever. Especially in our American culture, I think there's great temptation to not only achieve, but to allow our achievements to determine our worth. If I achieve a lot, then I'm valuable. Then I'm significant. Then I'm worthy. And I think this is one of the schemes Satan loves to deceive people with. If you're taking notes, I'll try and say it slow. I'd write it down. Satan loves to pressure people with performance. Okay, He loves to pressure people with performance, deceiving us into believing that's where we'll find purpose. And that's a lie, man. It's a lie. It's this thought of, if I'm Jasmine, if I'm the lead role, if I achieve enough, if if I achieve, then I'll have value. Then I'll be significant, right? Then I'll be worthy. In our most recent Father's Day message at at Marshfield, I preached on the prodigal son out of Luke 15. And uh, I don't know if you guys have heard that parable, but often we see in Jesus' ministry, especially in the Gospel of Luke, Uh, Jesus uses these things called parables, and what they are is they're earthly stories that carry heavenly meaning. They're earthly stories that are rich with biblical principles, and before I even read the parable to my Marshfield family, I did something. I touched on major popular religions in the world today, and I I just summarized very briefly what what that looked like for them today and, and what those beliefs were. So when we look at Islam... We see you have to perform the five pillars of Islam, and then at the end of one's life, depending on if you're, you know, how many good deeds you had versus how many bad deeds you had, that's what you'll be weighed on. And if you performed well enough, then you get to step into heaven. If you didn't, then hell's the option for you. We look at Hinduism, and it's based around this idea of reincarnation, and the quality of my current life, my present life, is based off how I performed in the previous life before, and it's this cycle. Now, if I perform well in this life, then my next life is going to be better. I might come back in a higher social class or, or whatever it might be, and the only way to escape this cycle of reincarnation 
is to reach complete enlightenment, complete holiness, to perform well enough. You look at Buddhism, okay, and it's similar to Hinduism in its um, ideology of reincarnation. Buddhists believe that the cycle, though it's not escaped, right, this cycle of reincarnation, you can only escape the cycle if you perfectly perform the eightfold path. What's the common denominator here? Your salvation is earned through your performance. You do good enough, you can achieve it. And that's how you know when you look at these other religions in the world, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I'm trying to bring truth, amen? If it says you can achieve it, wrong. Wrong. That's Satan. He pressures us with performance, trying to make us believe that's where purpose is. That's the opposite message of the gospel, y'all. It's wild to me that there's millions of people in the world who actually believe they can be good enough. They actually believe they can perform well enough to be worthy of whatever. I don't want to be disrespectful, but I think Pastor Mark would be stuck in that cycle of reincarnation for my whole life. Amen? Am I the only one? Pastor Mark's got issues. If anybody's like me, you know you can't fix it because I'm sure you've tried. I'm sure you've tried. The reality is we need to be saved. We need a savior. Amen? And and here's the deal. My sin, my shortcomings aren't going to keep me from a better afterlife. Why? Because Jesus is stronger than my sin. Jesus is stronger than my shortcomings. Ephesians 2.8, it says, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And even when you look at the religious leaders of Jesus' day, that's what they're getting tripped up on. That's what they're getting caught up on. That's what they're having a problem with. You healed on the Sabbath. You broke the rules. He's looking at his, you didn't wash your hands before you did the noodly do. It's like, come on. (laughs) And this is the whole reason that Jesus sits down to tell these religious leaders the parable of the prodigal son. Because he's trying to communicate, he's trying to illustrate the heart of the Father, saying, listen, you're never going to be good enough. But God loves you so much. When he sees you at the end of the road, come on, even when you haven't made it home yet, he comes running. Right? Even when you're so prideful and you're so upset that you won't walk into the party to go party with, with, with the son who came back because you think you earned something, you think you achieved something, he leaves the party, right, to come out. To bring you into the party. It doesn't, come on. Whether whether your sin is loud or your sin is quiet, we're all broken. And we all need dad. That's the truth. Amen? So I want to read this verse here, Ephesians 2. Um, Well, well, and before I say that, that, that's really the problem. I think Jesus, you know, he's confronting the religious leaders because he's saying y'all are missing it. And part of the problem is, I think there's some of us in here, you know, uh, Johnny, you, you prophesy about the shame and the guilt. I think there's some of us who might be sitting in here drowning in our shame and our guilt. But the problem is, church, we're, we're, we're missing it. We're missing it. Thinking that if I don't perform well enough, if I don't achieve enough, God's not going to love me. And I'm not going to. Come on, th- that, is the, that is the enemy drowning you in shame, drowning you in guilt. Come on, Jesus is stronger than our sin. So I want to read this, Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9. We're going we're to break down three verses today, okay? I'm 30 minutes in, haven't even touched on them. Let's, let's get to work. <laughs> Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, it says this. 
For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not by works. It's not achieved. It's not by performance so that no one can boast. Okay? So, Pastor Mark, what does that mean? What that means is your salvation is not achieved. Your salvation is a gift. Your salvation is a gift. We have to understand this, church. Your salvation is a gift. It's given to you. God's kind. He's merciful. And regardless of you uh, not deserving or not achieving because you never could anyways, God gifted you salvation. Okay, Pastor Mark, but I put my faith in Jesus. So didn't I put my faith? I trusted Jesus. I, I would say I even suggest that when you decided to place your faith in Jesus, it was God drawing you to him, God moving through a vessel, maybe like Pastor Mark, maybe like Pastor Jason. And it was God ministering to you, calling you home. We see Jesus, he, he brings it up in John 6, He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who is sent draws them. You were drawn to God. And I believe God draws his creation to himself through multiple avenues. Maybe that's through Pastor Mark. Maybe that's through the guy who reads his Bible on lunch break at work. But, but for us, I think this, this, the, this part of it is by grace you have been saved is challenging for us to comprehend. It's challenging for us to believe and receive because salvation is naturally something we cognitively believe we should earn, gain, and perform for. And every other religion in the world says that's how it's achieved, right? Like, I think it's hard for us to comprehend that our salvation is a gift. Like, I think that we're just almost programmed to think you don't get good things unless you earn good things. And, and, if, and if you only receive good things because you didn't earn it, if someone just gives something to you, they must be merciful. They must be kind. They must be loving. Amen? It doesn't make sense that it would be gifted to us. But that's who our God is, man. He's gracious. He's kind, and he's coming back. He, he's giving us salvation. Paul writes in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10, says this, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's almost as if God purposely made being saved purely a gift received in place of a title achieved so no one could get credit but him. He's the only one who deserves glory. He's the only one who deserves praise. Amen? He's the only one who could do it. So the first principle I want you to get this morning, you can even write this down if you're taking notes. If you're not, write it down. Amen? Come on. It's this. Salvation is a gift and grace is a force. As far as I know, as far as my study has taken me, every religion I've studied and shared, you know, they, they, most of them share this ideology that salvation is earned. And although that may seem logical, it's, it's just not what the Bible teaches. It's just not what the Bible teaches, that salvation is earned. And, and part of how we know that to be true is because Paul wrote in Ephesians 2.1 that we were dead in our transgressions. Like we were dead. Do you move when you're dead? Do you breathe when you're dead? Do you make decisions when you're dead? Is there movement when you're dead? You were dead. He brought you back to life. You can't do things on your own when you're dead, church. 
We were saved, made alive through Jesus Christ. Now, maybe we get tripped up on this idea because we see verses like James 2.24, and it says, man is justified by works, not by faith alone, and we get confused. We're like, okay, James is telling me that it's my works that is, that is going to get me saved, or at least partially, but then we have Paul who says, man, I can't really do anything. It's by faith alone, right? It's just through belief. There's, there's no performance, and we get confused thinking, wait, James is saying this. Paul is saying this, and this is where I want to talk about how grace is a force, James is, James is saying our good deeds. James isn't saying our good deeds will justify us. He's simply saying that authentic belief, authentic faith produces evidential fruit. When I really understand who Jesus was and what he did for me, right, and with all this happening in the heavenly realms like we've talked about for the past weeks, that is going to transform every fiber of who I am. He is physically, spiritually making me new bringing me back to life. And I love how Paul addresses this issue of, okay, if it's just by faith alone, then my life doesn't matter. Is that what you're saying, Pastor Mark? So I can just go on sinning as much as I want and because it's by grace I've been saved, just, I just got to believe. So he writes this in Romans. Paul wrote lots of letters. We're going through his letter of Ephesians. Here's another letter he wrote. This is Romans 5. It says this, uh, Romans 5, 18 through 21. It says, yes, okay, Adam, um, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because one person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. Verse 20, see, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. You know what God's law is? It's a mirror you can look into to see, ooh, I'm messed up. That's what it is. Oh, I'm ugly, right? I need, oh, I need a Jesus makeover. Come on. So it's God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. You can't achieve this. You're not perfect. You're broken. Try to follow God's law. That'll reveal it to you real quick. As people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Come on, praise God. So just as sin ruled over all people, and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But that's not where it finishes. So that was the bottom of five, and then he kept writing this letter. So I'm going to take us into chapter six. So flip the page. Come on, Romans 6, 1 through 6. Is this all right? It says this. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? No, that's not the message. That's not what I'm communicating. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Since he made you new, how can you continue to live in the old? Come on, or have you forgotten that we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism? We joined him in his death, for we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Come on, say I'm made new, church. I'm made new. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves are crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power. So that sin might lose its power. That is such good news. Come on, power in our lives. This leads me to um, my, my second thought of the day. If you're taking notes, it's this. Two, we, we work from acceptance, not for acceptance. Okay, we, we work from acceptance, not to acceptance. And I think a lot of times, here, here's our ideology, here's our thought process, here's what we believe. If I follow the rules, God will redeem me. 
if I follow the rules, if I, if I do the right thing, God will redeem me. And I think a more accurate phrase of the Father's heart is God redeemed me, my life is my response. When I understand that Christ died for me while I was still a sinner, like Romans tells us, he died for me while I was still broken, still dirty, right? When I understand that, when we're awakened to the fact that God in his grace and mercy did everything for me, not only was his grace poured out on my life for, for my own salvation, but now my life is energized by that grace that I've received, right? Now I'm a vessel through which this grace flows. So now the way I act, now the way I talk, now the way I, uh, now the way I watch, right? Now the way I live, now, now the, my whole life is a reflection of the grace that I've received. Grace is a force that empowers me to love God and to love people. And this word grace and gift in the Greek, they're real similar. They're really close to the same. And I love how Paul writes in this letter Romans. In Romans 12, 6, he goes, we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. You've been given a measure of grace. I've been given a measure of grace. In the same way salvation is gifted through God's grace, God through that same grace has gifted believers with a specific purpose with a specific role in the church. God basically through his grace has uniquely designed and created you on purpose, for a purpose. And how that manifests in my life might be different than how it manifests in your life, but it's no less purposeful. It's not like I'm less meaningful because I haven't achieved as Pastor Mark. I'm not up there. I I didn't get the role in Aladdin. God's spirit at work within us, right, is a direct result of the grace that's been poured out on us. Salvation, all these things. Salvation, the work of the Spirit, um, the, the gifts we receive from the Spirit, all of it is not separate from God's grace. It's all under that umbrella of God's grace. He's gifted us. What is it? He's freely, freely given it to us. But in our pride, in our arrogance, we want to take credit for his gift. Say, that was me. I achieved that. I did that. Look how good I am. Look how smart I am. No, your intelligence was a gift that was given to you for the body. We're, we're, we're addicted to achievement because we, we think that's where we're going to find purpose. We, we think that's going to make us feel worthy. And I want to free somebody in the room of, of pursuing worth and value and say that Jesus isn't going to love you more if you achieve more. But I, I think you might be able to grow in your love for him with the understanding he's done everything for you. And you putting faith in that alone is enough. That's crazy. Until Christ comes back, there, there will be this war within us. Okay, our, The spirit of God in our flesh is going to coexist until Christ's return. And, and he zaps all the evil in the, in the present, in the physical realm, and in the spiritual realm. You, you know, uh, that, that, that war between flesh and spirit is going to coexist in between us, right? But, uh, but until we die, the flesh will always lead us to bring glory to ourselves. That, that's going to be the battle. My flesh is always going to pull me to, into the spotlight for me so I can feel worthy. It's always going to, come on, we deserve the, no, 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 we were created for his glory. The Holy Spirit is going to lead me to give glory to him. Amen? We talked about that in Galatians 5 last week. We as believers were called to live by the Spirit, trusting that God in his great love is the force leading us to do so. Because not only does he deserve glory, but ultimately that's what's going to be what's best for us too. He's kind. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's not going to lead us somewhere that would, you know, be, be harmful to the condition of our soul. 
A life of obedience to God isn't so I'll be redeemed. You can write this down, or at least think on this, chew on this. A life of obedience to God isn't so I'll be redeemed. It's my response to my redeeming. My obedience is my response to my redeeming. What I want us to understand this morning is with the grace we've received as believers, as we consider everything that grace has freely given us, you know, we, we receive the divine ability to have power over our sin, church. We, we have power to walk away from the old. We've been set free from the bondage of sin in the heavenly realms. Now, as I close here, I'm bringing this thing, landing the plane, whatever you want to call it. I know y'all are getting hungry. Amen. Y'all only got one service now, so I'm going to take my time. <laughs> Amen. I only get to come to Republic every once in a while. I'm just like, no. I want to conclude with verse 10. I love verse 10. Ephesians 2.10, it says this, for we are God's handiwork. Say handiwork one more time. Handiwork, handiwork, handiwork. I love it. We are God's handiwork. And we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Created us to do those. When, when, when God was piecing you together, when God was creating and, sh and shaping and molding you, he said, man, I can't wait to watch you step into this. I can't wait to watch you do this. Oh, man, I created you to do good works. Like, you can't sit in this room and not believe that you don't have purpose. God created you with good things in mind for you to do. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Point three is this, I'm coming to a close. We are God's handiwork. Part of the problem with finding purpose in our performance, in our redeeming and following the rules, is the harsh reality that someone's always gonna perform better Someone's always gonna follow the rules better, right? We're, I mean, we're never, sooner than later, as we live in this mindset that we have to achieve to be good with God, we're only gonna experience discouragement. That's it, it's a road to discouragement. Because at some point, you're gonna mess up the performance. At some point, you're gonna break the rules. And if your faith is in those things to make you right with God, you're never really gonna believe you're right with God. And that's just not true. I wonder if there are some believers in the room this morning who you've shed tears because sometimes you felt like the camel's butt. You felt like the camel's butt. I didn't, I didn't do good enough. I didn't, I didn't achieve enough. Do I even belong in the production? Is my role even important? Your problem has never been, look how important I am. Look how much I achieved for God. Look how holy I am. I earned my salvation. That's never been your problem. Like God must feel so proud to have me as a Christian because I, I do really good. Maybe there's people in the room, your, your problem has actually been the opposite. It's been more like, man, I'm, I'm just the camel's butt. Like, should I even be in the play? And if you're sitting in that room and it's like, I just don't feel like I'm gonna mess this up. Are you seriously, I, I've been trying to serve God. I just keep messing up, I can't get it right. If that's you, I want to read this verse. I want to look you in the eye and say, you are God's handiwork. Create, you are God's handiwork. Don't, tell, don't sit in this room saying, I don't have purpose. I don't have significance. I don't have value. I've never done anything great. I've never, is my life even, is it worth, you are God's handiwork. You are God's handiwork. You are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. I can't be God's handiwork. Do you know what I've done? 
do you know what I've lived through? Do you know how people have treated me? Have you heard what people have said about me? I see him and I see her and I think, yeah, there, them. That's what God's handiwork looks like. I see Jasmine, I see Aladdin, and I think they belong in the production, but not me. I'm the camel's butt. And God's saying this morning, listen, I want you in the play. I want you in the play. The production's incomplete without you. Come on, I designed a role just for you. I made it perfect just for you. I gifted you. I I put everything you needed to be a part of my play. It's not your story. It's my story. I put you in it. Who told you you didn't belong in my story? I want you in the play. God, you really want me? Like, you really want me? I think back on my life. I think back on seasons, pre-ministry, pre-being pre, uh, a vessel where God used me to lead people to Jesus and do these incredible things for God. And I think for so long I ran from this call thinking, now nah, I know what I've done. I know how broken I am. I know how much I messed up. Now, nah, God, you don't want me. And he said, no, boy, I created the production. I gave you your role. I created you for a purpose, on purpose. I created you for my glory. You're a part of my production. Believer, I, I'm just wondering, do we really believe that we are the handiwork of God? And if we did, how would it change our life? Even when the world points and laughs, can you have faith enough to believe that God formed you? God formed you in your mother's womb. You're his handiwork. He has good things planned for you. If you haven't acknowledged that Jesus is Lord, if you haven't acknowledged that all things were created through him and for him, you'll always look for purpose in all the wrong places. If you don't understand who created you and that he created you for himself, then I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be venturing around looking for purpose in all the wrong places. There's one thing you were created for, his glory, his enjoyment. So I want, I want to wrap this thing up with this, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. With everything we've talked through, with everything we've received, with, with the new eyes that we've gained this morning, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, for it is by grace that you have, come on, close your eyes, church, it, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Come on, I just want somebody to acknowledge the fact that they understand God, Jesus, died for them. If you're in this room and you want to acknowledge the fact that he died for you, maybe you've never acknowledged Jesus as Lord. If that's you, would you put your hand up in the air right now? Say, that's me. I'm ready to live for the thing I was created for, for the person I was created by. Colossians says, all things were created through him and for him. If that's you in the room, can you put a hand up in the air? Here's the other thing I want to do. Maybe we're in the room this morning and we've wrestled with that. God, I'm not good enough. God, I haven't performed well enough. Maybe it's caused you to question God's love. If you're in the room and you say, you know what? I I need to be set free from from the desire to achieve, from the desire to perform, from the guilt of falling short. If that's you, would you just stand up to your feet right now and say, man, I'm ready to just receive his grace. I'm ready to just live. I'm ready. I'm ready just to walk in it. Come on, church. Let's all stand together. I want to lead us in a prayer. Romans says if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. 
Okay, now here's the deal. I, I think of Acts, right? They get, all the believers get filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter kicks down the door. He, he gives them the gospel, and they're all sitting there like, what do we do now? Literally, some guy yells from the back, what do we do now? Yeah, we believe it. Yeah, that's good news. That's good news that I don't have to achieve. That's good news that I don't have to perform. That's good news if I believe in this man, Jesus. Everything changes. What do I do now? He says, repent and be baptized. It wasn't, just, it, wasn't just, it wasn't just a hand raise. It said repent. You know what repent means? Change the way you think. Turn around. When you find yourself in the pods, feeding the pigs, it says turn around and start walking home. So whether we raise our hand in this moment or not, you know what repentance is? It's my walk. I'm going to start living like I believe it. And my life's going to show it. Come on, I want to pray over y'all, then we're going to worship in this place. Does that sound all right? Jesus, we love you. Father, why don't you guys repeat after me? Jesus, we confess with our mouths and we believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Make us new. We're never turning back. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.